And if you can have your Bibles open to Luke chapter 1, that would be of great help to you and to me um, as I preach from this passage. But let's pray as we come to the time of listening to God's Word. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your living word. We thank you that these words are active, um, that there are powerful words that can shape our lives. And we thank you so much how these words have called um, these six people who will be baptized uh, this morning, um, that you, you are, um, these words have given them life um, and that they have come to a point of giving their lives over to you. And we pray that that living and active words uh, be active uh, in us uh, today as we listen to your words being preached. And we pray that only the truth of your word will be pre- preached from this pulpit and only the truth of your word will be heard by all of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I have a friend named uh, Daemyung, Daemyung in Korean. Daemyung, I think it's, uh, in Chinese, it's similar. It's Dai, uh, Daemang, maybe, something like that. Uh, big name, great name. And he was named Daemyung uh, by his parents because his parents had this, this hope of him becoming a great person. Um, and I was talking to him, and actually he was telling me how, actually he knows people, he knows Koreans who are named Harvard. <laughs> Harvard and Yale, because for some Korean parents, sending their kids to Harvard or Yale is the biggest thing and the biggest hope for them, and so they would name their kids Harvard and Yale. And, and so I know that all the Western parents are going, oh no, what is happening? And all the Asian parents are going, maybe, I, I should have thought of that. Um, <laughs> my name is Hiu, Hiu, um, and Hiu is, uh, means um, he means uh, uh, bright or happy, and, and Wu is universe. Um, so the hope was that I would be this bright star in the universe, bright star in the universe. My parents, too, had big expectations for me, and I'm sure they had to adjust their expectations as they were confronted with the reality of my life. But it's not just Asian kids who are born with these great expectations. Thousands of babies are being born right now with great expectations and the hope upon their shoulders. But really, none like the baby that was born 2,000 years ago. Um, Jesus was born with the hope of a nation, not just a few years. Remember uh, the, 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 the poster, Hope, uh, Obama poster. You know, that, that he had this great hope of the nation for maybe just a couple of years, four, eight years of, of Bush years, maybe. Um, and uh, he was born, I mean, not born, he was elected with that sort of hope. But Jesus had the hope of the nation, not only of just few years, not just only of even few decades, but actually, if you read the first verse, the, the hope of the very beginning of the, uh, of the world, when the world had fallen, um, there was this prophecy that the son of the woman will crush the serpent's head and, and, and while uh, the, um, uh, he, he's bitten uh, in his heel. And, and there was this... Um, not just hundreds of years, but uh, hundreds of years of oppression, but also a, thousand year, a couple of thousands of years of prophecies, biblical prophecies about Jesus. And he was born with that sort of hope upon his shoulders. And actually, when he was born, he wasn't just born alone, was he? He actually was, God sent a forerunner, uh, a different baby, another person who will prepare the way of his coming. And that's the story that we didn't read, but that's a story right before our readings, the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth and the birth of John the Baptist. 
And though spectacular was that birth, when Elizabeth, uh, well, Zachariah and Elizabeth were told that, that she was going to have a baby, Elizabeth was going to have a baby who would prepare the way, even uh, Jesus was born um, with even greater fanfare. We're told that uh, when Jesus was born, that he should be named Jesus. In, in Hebrew, it would be Yeshua, right? Joshua, um, or, or Jesus in, in Greek, which means Yahweh saves. His name was, it means Yahweh saves. Yahweh will deliver. And that name itself, I think, is impressive, but there are actually other babies named, lots of, lots of people named Jesus or Yeshua um, that time. But if you look at verse 32, this, these are some of the things that the Bible tells us what Jesus was going to do. In verse 32, Luke tells us, He will be great. The angel tells Mary, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and He will inherit the throne of David. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. He will inherit the throne of David. And not only that, in verse 33, we're told that he will reign over Jacob, which also means Israel. Jacob's name is changed to Israel. He will reign over Israel, not as an important advisor or a general or uh, anything like that, but as the king. And we're told in verse 33 that his kingdom will not end. And not only that, here's the kicker in verse 35. He will not be a normal human being. According to Gabriel, he will be called the Son of God, the Holy One. He will be God himself. What's becoming clear is that Jesus is the Messiah. Messiah who was promised to come, who was prophesied to come for over hundreds of years, um, even thousands of years, if we go back all the way back to Abraham and the prophecy made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and then 15 later on. And also remember the words of, I think we have the slide for this, uh, remember the words of King, uh, the prophecy made to King David in Second Samuel chapter 7. These are the words that will show up on the screen. No. There we go. Um, Second Samuel chapter seven. When your days are over and you rest with your uh, with your fathers, I will raise up in your offspring. To, uh, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me, and your throne will be established forever. Do you see the echo of this prophecy in our in the announcement of Gabriel? God will be this baby will be God's son, and his kingdom will be for will, he will reign forever, and his kingdom will go on forever. Jesus is that baby. Jesus is that long-awaited Messiah. He is the destined child. He is the fulfillment of these prophecies and the one who is going to finally deliver Israel out of bondage and establish a kingdom that will last forever. And the fact that Gabriel appears to uh, Mary seems to fulfill another prophecy. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 in the next slide. King Ahaz was told that the great sign of God's salvation is, will be this, the virgin will be with a child and will give birth to a son, and he will, he will be called, uh, we will call him, um, and we'll call him Emmanuel. 
Mary was the virgin, wasn't she? She wonders out loud, how can this be? How can I have a baby when I do not know a man, when I am a virgin, she says. And the answer is that just as Adam and Eve were born without natural parent, and God will be the parent for this baby, the Holy Spirit will overshadow Mary, and, 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 and the second person of the Trinity will be formed in Mary's warm, warmth of Mary's womb. There are people who are born with great expectations upon their shoulders, and they rise up, and they meet those expectations and become, a, a, become great people. And I want you to know, though, Jesus is not one of them. Jesus is not one of them. I mean, if you look, if you take his birth and his life, um, his death and the resurrection into account, Jesus is not just another person. He is really not. He's not just a great teacher or a philosopher, as people seem to think he is, because he is the Son of God. The Son of the, uh, the, the Most High, the Almighty. Jesus is that God. And if anyone takes Jesus's, Jesus seriously, Jesus of the Bible seriously, you cannot, that no one can conclude that Jesus is just a teacher or a philosopher. The fact is that if you look at the, guy, uh, the, the, the Bible, the gospel, we're actually still in the first point. Uh, the fact is that if we, still, if, we, if we look at the gospel, the gospels actually don't talk that much about Jesus' teaching. Um, the focus of the gospels is on who Jesus is. Who Jesus is. That's what the gospels are all about. In fact, just take a look at this story. This isn't about Jesus' teaching, but this is about who Jesus is. Um, and as you go through the pages of the gospel, gospel of Mark, Luke, any other gospel, that um, it, it, it's not so much about his teaching, though his teaching is extraordinary, and it's remembered, and that's why I think some people say that he's a great teacher or a great philosopher, but it's really the gospels are about how demons shuddered when they saw Jesus. They shuddered. The gospel is about how Jesus went on to heal people. The gospel is are about how Jesus forgave sins. The gospel is about how Jesus had the power to raise a dead person back to life. His teachings are important, not because it was extraordinary, but because of who he was, because he was son of God teaching. That's why his teachings are important. And if you take Jesus' birth narrative, seriously. If you take the gospel seriously, the, gospel, the, the Jesus of the gospel seriously, you cannot conclude that Jesus is a mere philosopher or a mere teacher. We must confess as we come to Christmas and as we see the baby lying on the manger that this, per, this person was the son of the Most High, the son of God, God who became a man. So I want you to know, that no, I, I, I want no one to go away from the sermon thinking that Jesus was this great person, wasn't he? He was the Son of God. And so even from the very beginning, uh, Jesus was given many extraordinary titles. In that word. But out of, uh, out of all, perhaps the most poignant and fitting is this title, Jesus the Savior, um, as Mary seems to call, call him in verse 47. Savior in the Old Testament had all sorts of connotations. For some, like Elizabeth, Elizabeth, um, the, the, the wife of Zechariah, the mother of John the Baptist, um, she calls God a Savior because 
God took the shame of not being able to bear a, a son, which was a great shame in that culture, away and gave her a son. So she calls God Savior. But for many, it meant deliverer, somebody who saves uh, uh, someone out of trouble. And the, in the Old Testament, Savior had these political connotations. But in the, in the New Testament, it changes. The meaning changes a bit because the New Testament identifies the deepest and the most fundamental of our problems. The problem is of our heart and of our sin. It is our depraved hearts and the consequences of sin, God's wrath, that we need saving from. Remember how Jesus um, told us to cut out the parts of the body that are sinful. If your right hand has sinned, chop them off. If your eyes have, have sinned, pluck them out, Jesus says. But even if you're able to chop off the limbs, and even if you're able to pluck out your eyes, the problem isn't there. It's not the end of the problem, is it? Because the problem uh, is, is, is in our hearts. Um, as uh, my colleague in my previous church, uh, Rico, used to say, the knife, even if you're able to chop everything, um, the knife doesn't go deep enough because the problem is in our hearts. And this is what Jesus says in Mark chapter 7, 21, 23. From within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Now, if you think that about it, where is our hope? If the problem is within us, inside of us, where is our hope? And this is why Jesus so poignantly says later in his ministry in Luke chapter 5, verse 31, it's not the healthy who needs a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. If you think you are righteous, Jesus said, no need of you. But if, if you think that you are a sinner, God has come to deliver you. Jesus has come as a savior to deliver us from our sin, our sinful hearts, to give us a new heart and take care of the consequences of our sins. And it is that heart condition that Jesus came to heal, to breathe his Holy Spirit into us, to give us a new life and heart of flesh that feels for him. And not only does he breathe his spirit and give us a new heart, he also takes away the consequences of our sin, sinful actions, which is God's wrath upon all of us. God's righteous anger burns against all sinners. And Jesus came to take that wrath upon himself. And when he states the purpose of his coming, he states it in no uncertain terms. This is Mark chapter 10, verse 45. The Son of Man did not come to, be ser- uh, come to serve, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. He came to give his life as a ransom for us. To take our place in, in punishment. And that's what's so amazing about Christmas. Not only did God, the creator of the universe... If you think about the universe, it's just infinitely large. And that creator God became a baby. But not only that, but this baby 
came to came because we needed saving. He came as our savior. We know um, from a couple of passages from Mark and Matthew that Joseph was a carpenter, which meant that Jesus was probably a carpenter as well as he grew up. It's not a well-known picture, but I, I love this picture that will come up. It's historically inaccurate. I'm sorry about that. Jesus was not blonde. Um, but I love this picture because, you know, it, it's, it's Jesus and his childhood, and the, there's this nice glow um, of peace there. The sun is shining. He's hanging out with his dad. Uh, but if you look carefully, you realize that Jesus is playing with nails. And then you see Jesus stoop down, and you see the shadow that's cast. It's the shadow of the cross. And the message then becomes immediately clear. This child will die on the cross. And that's what it means also when we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate this gift, the gift that God has given us, gift of God's Son given to each one of us. He's the gift. He's the greatest gift that we could ever receive. And this is why we give each other gifts, because we have received this undeserving, uh, this undeserved, uh, the, the act of God's grace, and we want to be gracious to people around us. Jesus is born, but he is born to die. He has come to be our Savior. And we celebrate this undeserved gift in Christmas. So Christmas is great news that Jesus has come. He has come to be our Savior. But there is a warning in this text as well. Because really the story of the annunciation, the, uh, the announcement uh, that's made to Mary should be read with the story that's be, uh, right before, the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, um, right before our story. So if you can once again look, at, look in your Bibles, we'll, do, uh, we'll go through it a little bit. You see how these two birth stories are, uh, are, are in parallel with, with each other. So almost the parallels are so much alike. The two stories are so much alike. So we're told that the angel appeared to Zechariah in verse 12, uh, as he does in verse 26 to Mary. Um, the angel says the same thing, and their reactions are almost the same. Zechariah, we're told, was startled in NIV, which is unfortunate because it's really the same word um, as greatly, as translated as greatly troubled for Mary. So they're both startled or they're greatly troubled. And the first words of angel to Zechariah, do not be afraid, is the same as, as to Mary. And after the greeting, uh, Angel Gabriel tells both of them this unlikely news that, that they will, um, what was, uh, unlikely news of their son's birth. Uh, in verse 13 to Zechariah, he says, Elizabeth will bear him a son that he is, he is to call him John. And the, in almost the exact way, Angel tells Mary that she will conceive a son and give birth to a son and that she should call him Jesus. Even the wordings in the two are exactly the same. But their reactions are different. Zechariah asked in verse 18, how can I be sure of this? Or more literally, how can I know how can I know for sure, is what he's saying. I am an old man, and my wife is a long years. How can I know? 
Zechariah can't believe it and shows his doubt in questioning the angel. He asks for more evidence, and this is good news that he's receiving. Mary, in a way, his, her answer is almost structurally similar, but it's wildly different in her attitude. This is what she says in verse 34. She says, How will this be, since I know not a man, since I am a virgin? She says, when Mary is told that she will conceive a son, she simply wonders, yes, this will be true, but how? How will this be? It's clear that there's no doubt in Mary's voice because she responds in verse 38. Take a look at her response there. I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. And to later make this point clear, as if it wasn't clear, Luke records Elizabeth, words of Elizabeth, the wife of Zechariah, saying in verse 45, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. It's almost as if um, uh, Elizabeth is saying these words as a praise of Mary, but also maybe as a rebuke to her husband. Why couldn't you believe the angel? But if you think about the predicament that Mary was in, um, she's not in a good situation. She's engaged. And she will now be pregnant. That's the news that she just received. Imagine a couple, engaged couple in this church. Imagine this young couple coming in. She's, they, 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 they're the regular attendance, attenders of the church. And then she comes in and you all of a sudden notice that her belly is swollen. What would you think? And then you go up to the guy and then you sort of hint at what's happening here. And the, and the guy goes, well, actually... It's not my baby. <laughs> and then you press him for answers. And then, and then the guy goes, actually, she says it's God's baby. <laughs> Can you imagine the awkward conversations that Mary and Joseph had in that conservative religious society? But Mary nonetheless bravely believed and offered herself in the service of God. Zachariah. On the other hand, this is a news that, that, that's good news for him. They might have been waiting and praying for a baby to come. Now this angel had appeared in the, in the place of the, the Holy of Holies. Um, a lot of times, actually, when you come to worship God, it's the last, last, um, last place when you expect to see God. And this angel appears um, to him and then says, you will, uh, your, your wife will bear, him, uh, bear you a son. And, she, and, and, and he doubts. To this good news, he doubts. And so he's judged for, uh, for a time. Um, the judgment is that he won't be able to speak about this until the birth of John the Baptist. And as I think about this, I wonder if there are some of you here in this church who are thinking about becoming a Christian but are finding it difficult. And some of you might be demanding more evidence. Um, And for some, I think that might be necessary. Maybe more evidence is what's necessary. But for many of you, I don't think it's more evidence that's necessary. Remember, Zechariah had the angel right in front of him, and he was demanding more evidence. And for many, if you're honest, it's not evidence that you need, more evidence that you need. You've seen people's lives changed. You've seen, you're convinced that Jesus was a historical person who was born and who died and rose again. 
but you're still hesitating to make a decision. And if you're this sort of person, I want to plead with you to make a decision. You have all the evidence in front of you. He invites you to follow him. He invites you to follow him by being born 2,000 years ago and then offering his life, his death and the resurrection to you. Will you believe in the good news? Will you put your trust in him and follow him? And I know that following him is not that, uh, it it won't be all that easy. And this is a message for all the Christians here, um, to, to, to all the Christians here as well. Will you follow the example of Mary? Remember what Mary says in, in response uh, to this great news. The song is called Magnificat. Uh, my soul glorifies the Lord. That's why it's called Magnificat. Uh, from all, in, in, in verse 48, she sings this verse. From now on, all gener- generation will call me blessed. And it's true that Mary is blessed. She bore the Son of God in her womb. How can, she be, how can anyone be more blessed than that? But that doesn't mean that her life became all of a sudden easy, right? She bore God's son, and no doubt she was alienated by the religious community. Perhaps that she became an outcast there. Following Jesus is not easy. And for all of us, following Jesus means following the king who wears a crown of thorns. By deni- uh, and, and it means denying ourselves, picking up the cross, going to the place of our death, and living for God and God alone. And that cannot be an easy thing. And I know that people are going to be baptized. And, you know, in, my, in the baptismal class that we do, the first question that I ask is, really, are you ready? Are you ready to be baptized? Have you counted the cost? Jesus says, Jesus is not interested in having crowds follow him. Jesus says, you have to deny everything and follow me. You have to love me more than anything else so that anything, your love for anything else looks like hate. That's the kind of discipleship that he demands. And when you live like that, your life as Christians cannot be an easy thing. But at the same time, it's the most blessed thing. All generations will call me blessed, Mary said. Mary, Mary sang. And we will be blessed beyond our wildest imagination if we accept the message of Jesus Christ and follow him. We'll be given a new life, life with with him in it, life of purpose and joy and meaning, all of that, and the life eternal at the end. On this Christmas Sunday, we remember that Jesus was not just an extraordinary baby, but he was the son of God, became incarnate. And this baby became incarnate because he came to save us. And I pray that we will all follow the example of Mary, Mary and put our trust in him and offer our lives in the service of God. Let's praise him in this Christmas Sunday.